me in your copy of God's Holy Word to Ephesians. We looked at this passage a number of times in the past days for those who were at the conference. I want to begin at verse 22 as a reminder of what we heard about husbands and wives, and then traverse into chapter 6 up to verse 9, which especially speaks about children, which was um, the passage or the topic assigned to me also to cover um, this service. So Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. 
So ends our reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible word. Let's turn again in our Psalter in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had the privilege to sit under God's word in the past days and to hear what his will is and his call is to us as families, as husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, and in some ways as children. But tonight in particular, we want to look at this call of God in the lives of children, of the sons and daughters of families. And it's a great privilege to be able to reflect on this truth. And I want to do that, especially for the young children and teenagers, and even some of the older young men and women who are here tonight. Paul does this in his message, in his letter uh, to the church at Ephesus. Uh, We looked at some of the things that Paul has been speaking about, and I would commend to you to perhaps in your family worship over the next week or so to read through this book of Ephesians together and talk about what is God saying to you as a family. Paul has addressed some pretty profound spiritual truths. He began writing of the spiritual blessings that the children of God, the people of God, the family of God has in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How that God had chosen them to this blessing, and that Christ had come and redeemed them by his blood. And all the spiritual blessings Paul lays out for the church, uh, the family of God, that are to be found in Christ. And how that the Spirit of Christ is working this out experientially in the hearts of his children. Paul goes then on to pray for the church at Ephesus, a marvelous prayer. It would do us great good to pause and to reflect on Paul's prayer and to pattern our prayers that our eyes might be enlightened to know the the glorious mysteries of God that he has revealed to his church and so on. And then he goes on to talk about how we are to live the life that we have now found in Christ. What that looks like to put off the old man and to put on the new. And then towards the end of this book, this letter that he writes to the church at Ephesus, he has unpacked for us what it looks like to be a husband and wife and a family. And he immediately transitions into the text that is before us this afternoon. Could you imagine, children, if you're sitting in a church at Ephesus way back in the day, and this is the letter of the Apostle Paul that has been written to you, the church. And as the elder likely would be standing in the front of the congregation as they gathered together for worship and reading this letter of the great Apostle Paul, and he's coming to this wonderful truths of the mystery of husbands and wives, and then he goes on just very naturally to think about the children who are dwelling there in the congregation. And he will say to them, children, children, listen, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. Well, that's the passage we want to look at this afternoon. Paul understood the heart of Christ, the heart of the Father for children. If you remember, Jesus actually only became 
angry a few times. One with those who had made his father's house a den of thieves, and he came into the temple and drove them out. And another time when he had his own disciples try to keep the children from him. And he needs to instruct his disciples, this is what the children, the kingdom of God is like. And he needed to admonish them, let them come to me. And he put his hands on them and blessed them. And so parents tonight, as we hear what children are to be and are called to be in the church, it's our obligation, our calling as parents, parents to recognize these children are simply not ours. We shouldn't look at our children as if somehow they they belong exclusively to us. No, they are to be seen as gifts from God. They are his children first and foremost. They also belong, we saw in this camp, that this, this conference, that they belong to the congregation, but he's given them to you particularly to care for, to train up, to bring up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so we want to look in this passage together with this theme, children with a heart for the Lord. We want to do this with three thoughts. For this is right, and then secondly, for this is required, and third, for this is rewarded. So we could say, children, young people, Paul, and we could even say the Lord himself is speaking to us this afternoon. Anytime that we open the word of God, and that word of God is proclaimed, particularly in his church, but even we could say in in other respects, as your father is teaching you around the table, this word of God is a living word. And it's coming to us with that authority as coming from the mouth of Christ, the mouth of God himself. And so what we find here by the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of, of Christ, is that Paul is saying, children, obey your parents. And that's simply what he means. Children, young people, obey your parents. Now, the first question we might ask is, why, why would Paul write this to the children? Was it because he maybe had some particular family in mind at Ephesus that had misbehaved children? I don't suspect that was the case at all. I think the answer to the question is the children at Ephesus born to these believing parents who had come to faith in Christ, Paul recognized these children as well as our children need to be born again. They need to know the Lord from their heart. And this is the call then that we have as parents to bring up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Because that's where Paul is going to be going. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's the Lord who has his claim upon you as children. It's the Lord who is delighting to take you and set you apart, even in baptism, but even by the instruction of your parents, that you would be brought up in the fear of his name, that you would serve him, that you would trust him, that you would love him with your whole heart. 
And dear parents, this is precisely the way that God has designed to use to bring the children He has given to you to faith in Him. He was going to use you as an instrument of blessing to that end. John Calvin makes this statement about children. We are to bring them up in the faith. No, not tell them God loves you and you're saved because you've been born in the covenant. But as Paul is saying here, this is the way you ought to walk in. The Lord lays His claim upon you. My son, my daughter, give me your heart. And to shepherd and to lead and to guide your children into that truth. What that looks like. And so God is going to use, parents, the training and teaching of the children He has given to you. To bring them to the Lord. To give them to receive in their hearts the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so Paul knows that the children at Ephesus were no different than the children that we hold in our arms when we bring them to baptism. They are born and conceived in sin. They are going to demonstrate that fact in one way or another as they grow older. Their sinful natures will begin to surface. There is this tendency in children even, even children in the church, toward disobedience, toward departing from God. There's no child who's born has this complete, other than our Lord Jesus Christ, who has this complete, utter desire to walk in the way of obedience, to walk in the way whatever mom and dad says. And so Paul needs to remind the children here at Ephesus and us as well, this is the way. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Oh, we know that family life is not perfect. One of the questions last night hinted at that. What if you belong to a family that is difficult or challenging? How do you live as a young person within that environment? And every child here, every teenager here knows that your parents are not perfect. Your siblings are not perfect. But that's not what Paul says here. Thinking about your parents or your siblings, he does address fathers later in in verse 4. It's a good reminder for us as fathers. But this afternoon, we're focused upon you as children. And in some respects, it includes all of us because if we claim the Lord is our Father, we're His children. And so this same command, this same right thing is set before us. Obey your parents in the Lord. And the word here, uh, obey, means to literally to hear under. It means Children, that God has placed you in His sovereign providence in the particular family with the particular mom and dad that He's given to you, and you are to then hear under. And hearing in the Word of God, in the sense of obey, is, is to hear and to listen and to do, to obey. That's what Paul is saying. And what we are observing today in our society around us is a very breakdown of this fundamental truth 
in a society, in a family, in the church, at work. The authority structure that Paul is talking about here is eroded away, and when it's eroded away in the families, it finds its way to the outer reaches of all of society. When the family life is broken down, when there are so-called people in our government and in the world who are trying to tell parents how to raise children through a way of human reasoning and according to the lies of our culture, and this truth is ignored, it's only understandable, it's contrary to God's ordained way. And it will end in failure, it will end in destruction, it will end in death. And so, children, you are growing up, teenagers, you are growing up in a world that is constantly militating, coming against this very truth that Paul wants you to lay hold upon. So much in the world is telling you, your parents don't understand, your parents don't know what's transpiring in the world today. Your parents are ignorant. They're of another generation. But it's a lie. Your parents know much more than you give them credit for. Your parents, I trust and hope, they believe in the Lord, and so their desire is to bring you up in the fear of His name, to have you with your heart surrender to Him. And that's where Paul is wanting you to see your calling, that it's right for you to obey your parents. Don't listen to the lies that come to you in this world. They will lead you astray. But listen to the voice that God has given you in his place. Your parents. And part of what God is seeking to teach you as a young child, as a teenager, is the same lesson he's trying to teach us who, is, who are adults. There are things we, we, we have to face as adults in this world that don't make sense. Things that we, which we think, well, it'd be better if we would do it this way. It'd be better if we could enjoy this or, or do that. And God is saying to us in his word, no, this is the way I want you to do it. This is what it means to follow me in obedience. We saw that this morning, didn't we? Abraham, and it was an unusual circumstance indeed, but he was called of God to sacrifice in obedience to his command, his own son. It seems to defy all reasoning, all logic in some respects, but he did so by faith in obedience. And in some respects, even as children, that's what it's going to come down to today. Your parents may tell you to do something or ask you not to do something. And you as a teenager, you're going to think, well, my friends are allowed to do that or uh, why can't I do this? And the reality is the same test that your parents have experienced in different ways is now laying at your heart's door. Will you learn to trust God who has given to you your particular parents? Or 
Will you disobey your parents and, in effect, disobey God? That's really the question. And it's by growing up in this confidence. I'm not talking about when your parents ask you to do something that's sinful. We're talking about things that may not have any moral right or wrong. We're talking about things that perhaps your parents have asked you to do or not to do. And and you question whether that should or should not be done. Paul is saying, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Just as Paul said, wives, be submissive to your husbands in everything. Now he is saying to children, obey your parents in the Lord. But there's a slight subtle difference you don't necessarily pick up in the words that are being used by the Apostle Paul. When he's talking about husbands and wives, he is using a word here, submit to your husbands, in a sense of you are equal in in many respects. You are equal in Christ before the Lord, and, and yet you, as a wife, are called to submit, as we saw yesterday, to your husband. But now, as he's using this word, obey, it's not of some kind of equal authority or equal position, but it's rather from one of subordination. Just as he will go on to say in verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. When Paul here speaks about children and uses the word obey, it was not the kind of word he used for wives, obey or submit to your husband, but a different word. One that's more related to servants, obey your master. Children, you're not in the same position. God gave authority to your parents to instruct you, to teach you, to lead you to himself and the way of life. And think about this. Because our culture, because of the sin of parents and children, this idea of servants and masters has sort of lost, I believe, its effect in our families. You can go to other cultures and recognize more clearly, I think, what this means. If you were a master, children, if you you were the master, you, you owned a number of people who are servants in the day of the Apostle Paul, and you said, I want you to go to the barn this morning, early in the morning. I want you to clean up the barn. Then I want you to go out into the field for an hour. And then you come in and you can eat. The servant to disobey his master would be disciplined. The master had given the instruction. They were to be followed. Even when the servant didn't maybe understand why or what needed to be done, clearly he could ask what needed to be done, but he was to obey. That's the idea here of children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's not what we hear in our culture. Today in our culture, there is the idea that children are equal with parents. Children at a very young age can make their decision about their gender. Children are able to make these kinds of decisions, and they need freedom. They need space. You, 
You don't need to reason with them and you need to try to just let them do what they want and makes them feel happy. And when they finally grow up, they'll come onto their own. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Paul is clear what's right and what's not. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And this is not done by parents in a way of manipulation. Somehow manipulating your children to to do what you think they ought to do because you want to appear better as a parent in the eyes of others. It's not in a way of legalism in which you train your children. You need to do this and you may do that. And that's all your training consists of. That's not what Paul is saying He is saying, children, obey your parents from the heart in the Lord. You need to know the Lord yourself, children. How can you obey in the Lord if if you yourself are a stranger to the Lord? So what Paul is saying to children here in essence is, the Lord wants your heart. He wants you to serve Him. And in serving Him, it it should be our delight. And though we find in ourselves times that we resist this from our parents, we don't understand why our parents say what they do, um, it doesn't change what Paul is saying. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Paul is saying, in essence, your parents have been given to you of God. They have brought you into this world. They, your parents, are accountable to God for you and what they teach you. How they discipline you. They've given you food and clothing and shelter and love. Children, and we who have been children, we readily recognize without our parents, where would we be? That's what Paul is saying. Therefore, children, this is right. You should obey. In some sense, I think what Paul is saying is, especially for younger children, obey your parents. Because I said so. Because the word of God says so. Sometimes we're resistant to that idea of, you obey your parents because they said so. We think we have to reason with five-year-olds and seven-year-olds about why they should obey. Well, there's time and place to tell our children, give them understanding and reasons for our decisions and why we're asking them to do something or not do something. That's good and right. But it must be, yes, from a heart of love. But there's times when we say, because I said so. That's not foreign. That's not strange. That's what Paul is teaching us here. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's a natural tendency for us as children, and we don't like what we're told to do, to ask why, why. And there's time and place for that answer to be given. But sometimes it may simply be because I said so. Do we obey obey our parents in the Lord as unto the Lord? 
Now, indeed, I repeat again what I said before. If your parents would ever ask you to do something that's sinful, we, of course, can resist. We can say, God doesn't permit us to do this. But in all other things, we can talk to our parents if we're older. There should be this developing relationship in our family with our children. As they grow older, we begin to transition at some point, early teens or some time with the different personality and character of each of our children, a transition from under authority to begin to take responsibility, begin to take their own choices and consequences for their choices. And so children, I repeat, what Paul is saying here, this is right. He's meaning to get to your heart. Where is our heart relationship with the Lord? Is it right, in a right relationship? Or is that fundamental thing, our relationship with God, wrong? And if, as children, we don't have this kind of relationship with the Lord, how will we then think to imagine we'll be able to submit ourselves to our parents in the Lord? And so parents, as you teach your children... It's not just to shape their behaviors. It's not just to have them look good on the outside. But to shepherd them and bring them to the Savior that he would have their hearts. God has placed you as his servants in the lives of his children. That they would know this truth. Obey your parents in the Lord. Because to not obey your parents is ultimately to disobey God. If a child does not want to obey, it tells us something's wrong with the heart. Because obedience should arise from the heart. And if we're simply disciplining our children to bring them into line with our expectation or even what we think the Word of God is calling us to do, and we're trying to force that and we don't have grace and we don't have love and mercy, our children will ultimately rebel. That's where Paul comes to. You fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so Paul is saying to to children here, obey from the heart because you have learned something about trusting God that even when your parents ask you to do something that you don't like or you don't think you want to do or to to not do something that you want to do you need to trust God I've known of those who have been asked by their parents not to do some particular thing that would have given them a totally different trajectory of life But in obeying their parents, not doing that thing which seemed so promising and so valuable at the time, has actually turned to a very different direction of great blessing. They couldn't imagine or they couldn't see at an earlier phase in their life. Don't we see this in Jesus? There he is, son of a carpenter, and Mary... Joseph and Mary, and they've gone to Jerusalem, and there is Jesus, about 13 perhaps, sitting 
at the feet of the wise men in Jerusalem. He's been there a day or so before his parents miss him and begin looking for him. But he's there speaking about the things of God. He's doing his father's business. And when his parents come seeking him, uh, they reprimand him. Where have you been, Joseph? We've been seeking you. We've been worried about you. Yes, he does say, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. But immediately read, he submitted himself to his parents. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus himself submitted himself to his parents, which was right. And in doing this, he fulfills all righteousness. He's the obedient one completely, and we're to look to him also as children. What do we read immediately after this? That he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Well, this brings us to our second thought, that not only must we obey our parents because it is right, but Paul is pointing out here that this fundamental truth is found in the ten words that are given to us to govern our lives. The fifth commandment. And he says here, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. The opposite of honoring our father and mother is really to be living in disobedience, in dishonor, and we could even say in rebellion against submission to those in authority over us, particularly our parents. This obedience is is not something that we can put off for another day. We can delay our obedience. The call that we need to teach our children is that obedience should be expected immediately. The call of the gospel is not I'll put that off till tomorrow. I'll decide to serve the Lord another day. I did that when I was young. I believed firmly that when the Lord was going to come, the clouds would be parted, I would see him. I knew it, believed it, but not enough to repent. Not enough to turn away from my sin. In my darkened understanding, what I thought was this. When I see him, then I'm going to bow. Then I'm going to repent. Not believing or realizing it's too late. And so this call that Paul is giving to us is is immediate. It is now. It's not... Not tomorrow, not next week, not when I get to be older, not when I get married on my own, then I look back and see how perhaps wise my parents were. But today, this week, honor your father and your mother. And when obedience is not forthcoming, it's incumbent upon parents to discipline. Proverbs 29 Verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, 
but a child left to himself bringeth to his mother shame. Parents, if we aren't involved intimately, day by day, in living with our children, communicating with our children, disciplining our children, the general principle of God is we will face shame, dishonor. There is a rod of correction. Our children need to feel the pain of disobedience. There's a place where this needs to take place, a place where this should be done in private, especially with younger children, and done consistent, consistently, not once or a few times and then neglected. It must be done in love. And it must be done also with verbal communication as to why it's taking place. Doesn't God discipline his children? He does. He disciplines us. We saw that again this morning in that passage of this family of Jacob. God is in some sense disciplining him, bringing him to the place where he comes face to face again with God. That's where God wants us to be. He wants us to fall on our face in worship of God. And he's going to use whatever means it takes for him to bring us to that place. Whether it's wooing us with love into the wilderness apart to himself or in any other way, sometimes difficult pathway that he will lead us in. Whatever it is and whatever it takes, he will use it because he loves us. If we aren't disciplining our children, children, if your parents are disciplining you, it is not because they hate you or want to see you somehow um, shamed or, or in pain, not at all. If they truly love you, they're going to be faithful in disciplining you. This is part of what Paul is saying. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise. God is very clear in his instructions. Proverbs 23. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. That's just not an Old Testament word. That somehow was for that generation. We're not talking about beating a child into submission. We're talking about using the means of discipline to reach the heart lovingly that our children in honor and respect for us having been given in the place of God would be used as an instrument to bring our children into the way of obedience, into the way of surrendering their heart to God themselves. The general principle of God is this in his word. If we neglect as parents disciplining our children, it will lead to disaster. David, a man after God's own heart, it seemed, when you read of his history, neglected his own children. You read that in regard to Absalom, 
We read that in regard to Amnon and his sister Tamar. Even though David was a man after God's own heart, God's chastisement rests upon his house. And it's set for us as a warning that we wouldn't follow in that way, in that particular way of David, but learn and be corrected ourselves that we would, by God's grace, seek to discipline our children to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That they would know the Lord. That they would do what is right. That they would honor their parents. The world would have us to believe that when we discipline our children in this way, it's we who are introducing into this world misfits and troubled children. Oh, when it's done unlovingly, when it's not done according to the word of God, yes. But it shouldn't keep us from doing what God calls us to do in all humility, in all love, in all purpose to train them to surrender their hearts to the Lord. The reason we as a culture find ourselves where we are today is because this very thing was neglected by families in the homes and fathers. What happens to a culture when discipline and dishonor to parents is taking place? Paul tells us, Romans 1, verse 29 and following, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things. Wickedness. And then he says, disobedient to parents. He goes on with other sins, but then he continues to Timothy as well. 2 Timothy 3. In the last days there will be perilous times, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Paul says it's right to obey your parents. And then he comes and he says, honor, respect, show deference to your parents. This is what is God's command. It is required. And his point here in regard to honor is a sense of awe, a sense of respect, a sense of preference, deference. It is just as we are to honor God as our creator God and father, in in some sense this ought to be reflected also in our natural relationship with our natural father and mother, to honor them, which leads then to this idea of obedience. It's to show respect for them. It's a very simple fact of what Paul is stating here in this passage. 
Jesus made this statement, All men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father, and he that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. In essence, we can take what Jesus is saying and apply it to us in our families. Children, when we don't honor our father and mother who God has given to us in his providence, we're not honoring, owning, respecting, showing deference to him. This is slightly different what Paul is saying than to simply obey your parents but to show honor. And it doesn't mean that once you grow older and you have moved out of your parents' home, you've formed your own family in your own setting, that somehow obedience is still a qualification for you. Your parents still don't have the right to tell you then in certain areas of life what to do. But there's this sense of honor. The sense that God has given you your parents and you're to honor them, respect them. This is what Paul is saying, even when we grow older, we are called to do as part of belonging to the family. And children, even though you might know more than your parents, you can perhaps solve the algebra problems that you come home with in your homework assignment. You can perhaps turn on the computer and maneuver all kinds of web pages that your parents don't have a clue what you're doing. It doesn't mean they're ignorant. They have much more wisdom, I trust, than you. Life experience, relationship to this truth of how God is teaching them and leading them and their advice, their wisdom is to be received in honor because God has placed you under their authority. And this is Paul's call. It's not only what he says, it is right, but he says it is required. But he doesn't just leave us here as this is sheer obedience, this is sheerly your call to obey, but he adds this incentive. Our Lord does this in many ways too. He adds the idea of reward, of blessing. That when you walk in this way, there is reward. And the converse is true. When you don't walk in this way, there is curse. There is devastation. And that brings us to the third thing I want to look at, the reward. Paul says, this is the first commandment with promise, actually. We could say it's the only commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. If you, every Sunday, listen carefully, children, to the reading of the law, you come through the first four commandments, you get to the fifth, honor your father and mother. And it comes with this promise, this glorious promise. You will inherit the earth. You will be blessed. That's what God is saying. Children, Do you recognize this promise that God sets before you? This glorious truth. You see, it's again by faith. The children of Israel had the same challenge. 
Just think of the Sabbath day. It perhaps is more clear there. On the Sabbath day, they were told you need to not work on the Sabbath. Then there were Sabbath years they were to observe, were to leave the land rest for a whole year, every 70 years. But they didn't believe God. Will he provide for us? Will he really give us what we want and what we need, perhaps? How could it be that if we don't work all the days of the week or we we don't work on this particular year that God has decreed to be a jubilee year, how, how will we affair with our families? That's the question. But the question boils down to this. Will I trust God's promise? Is he faithful? Is he worthy of being trusted? Will he fulfill his word or not? This is what faced the children of Israel continually as they traveled even before they got to Canaan. This was their quarrel with Moses when they came into the wilderness and there was no water. And they complained to Moses, bring us back to Egypt, bring us back to the leeks and onions. We'll perish here. You led us to our graveyard in the wilderness. It's because they lost sight of the promise. God has said, I will bring you out. I will bring you out with a mighty arm and a stretched out arm. I will deliver you. I will bring you to the land that flows with milk and honey. They didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. And that's our problem. It's our problem already when we're kids, when we're children. We don't believe it. And so, we question our parents. What they say or don't say. But Paul here says, children, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and you may live long on the earth. Children, have you ever put God, as it were, to the test? He doesn't immediately always follow right away that the next day something blessed happens to you. But God's word will be fulfilled. Try him. Test him, if you will, in this Humble way. Lord, I, I want to obey my parents. They told me not to do this. All my friends are going to do this. And I, I just don't know what to say. I've, I've asked my parents why I couldn't go. They haven't given what I understand to be a clear reason. But I'm going to trust. God promises to bless. Now, Paul knows that this promise was particularly aimed at, in some respects, to Old Testament Israel. They're going to inherit the land of Canaan, promised to Abraham. But you see, Paul is living in the New Testament, and he uses the same promise to set before the church, to the children there at Ephesus, to the children here in Kenelon. It's the same truth of God's word. And what this means is when we live in obedience to our parents, when, he, when we give, in a sense, our hearts in surrender to the Lord, children with a heart for the Lord, we will know even in this life, 
His blessing. All things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. What's His purpose? What's good? It's not always what the child of God thinks is good. It can be painful. It can be difficult. It can be trying. But His purpose with His people is transformation. You read in the next verse in Romans 8, to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. And children, young people, teenagers, this is what God wants you to see, to believe, and submitting yourselves to your parents in all lawful things. There is blessing attached. Yes, there may be outward blessing. There certainly often is outward blessing. And when we don't obey, there is also often outward curse. That's true too. But in essence, what Paul is saying, lay hold of this promise. God will work it together for good. For your good. Do you believe this word of promise? Parents, I trust in some measure you have learned this truth yourself. God is faithful to his word and his promise. He's not left you hopeless. But he's given you day by day, when you cling to him and trust in him, just what you need. And he wants you and he wants me as fathers and he wants us as mothers to communicate that to our children that they would know, that they would hear from us in our own experience, in our own way the Lord leads us, that God is faithful to his word. This promise is mentioned many times in the scriptures. Let me take you back to Proverbs, Proverbs 3. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they shall add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them on the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. This is his promise. Proverbs 4, 10. Hear, my son, and receive my saying, and the years of thy life shall be many. Proverbs 7, 1 and 2. My son, keep my words. Lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. But the curse, the opposite, is also true. Proverbs 7, or Proverbs 30, 17. The eye that mocks at his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Have we learned to honor? Have we learned to honor Christ? And in doing so, we honor His Father. Children, have we learned to honor our parents? And in doing so, we honor Christ, who honors then God. If we don't, 
It's indicative, it's indicating to us of an inward spiritual problem. A heart that is not right with the Lord. And so the call of this conference was, in many words, to husbands and wives, in many words, to fathers and mothers, but this closing message is for you, children, in particular. Have you, in your heart, surrendered to the Lord? Perhaps, in some ways, you have despised your parents. You're convicted, even in hearing this word. You've excused your disobedience. Now, the wonder of it all is, is that God himself comes with this word to us. A word of promise in the gospel. And I want you to consider for a moment in closing this promise and our Lord. Children, was there any point in time from Jesus' first breath to his last that he disobeyed? That he dishonored his parents or ultimately his father? We know not once. No one could bring an accusation against him. No one. He was a sinless lamb of God. Well, then where's the promise? Long life. Inherit the land. He was falsely accused. He suffered. A most despicable, shameful, painful death at the hands of wicked men. And his own father took up the sword against him. Why? He asked the same question. Why? Well, the gospel tells us the answer. Because of your and my disobedience. Of us not honoring our father and mother. Therefore, He was cursed. As he hung there on the cross, he was bearing all of this to set us free, to forgive, to bring us into relationship with himself and with his Father. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, suffered what we deserve for our disobedience, for our not doing what was right. He lived what was right, but he suffered as one who bore all sin and iniquity. He pays the price. And what this means then is that those who are in Christ will be able to find the fulfillment in truth in him that one day the true promised land of Canaan we will enjoy to the full. Because he earned it. He merited it. And he gives it to his children freely, fully, on the basis of what he has done. And then he wants us then, trust me, trust me. I tell you the truth. 
by faith lay hold of his sacrifice, of Jesus himself, the substitute who we saw this morning caught in the thicket and was sacrificed so Isaac could go free. You're, you're free to go. You're free to go home tonight. You and I deserve to die. But you're free to go. Go. Go home and his strength and his salvation and his righteousness and honor your parents. This is the first commandment with promise. And obey your parents in the Lord in response to what he has done to bring glory to him. Let's pray. Merciful and gracious God, give that we and our children may have a heart after the Lord, for the Lord, unto the Lord, who is alone worthy. Lord, thou art worthy of being worshipped, served, honored, adored. Lord, we ask, forgive us all our sin. Cleanse us and help our children, our teenagers, for the first time or in an ongoing and renewed way to trust in thy promise. Lord, bless us, not only now, with transformation and change by the work of thy spirit in our hearts, but prepare our hearts, Lord, for that kingdom that is coming sooner than we think. So bless us as families. Lord, we acknowledge thee richly for the blessings given to us during this time together. And so give that as we have learned these things and as we seek by grace to implement them, we would be enabled to bring honor and glory to thee with whomever we meet. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll sing number...